The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, See that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. The Gospel of the Lord. So let's see if you can figure out some context clues. I did say the saint's name in the opening prayer, but which saint are we celebrating today? Cecilia? Yep, St. Cecilia. Now, what kind of saint do you think she was? She was a martyr, and what's our context clue for that? The red. Now, the thing is this. She actually, that's the thing about her story that's interesting. She was married. But when she spoke to her, so she, she never wanted to be married. She wanted to be a sister. She wanted to be a nun. That's, that's part. She also lived back in like 300 A.D., 1700 years ago her family they're like that time like they're like we have to like you have to get married to someone because that's how you're gonna be able to survive and live so her family gave her hand in marriage to this pagan so this non-believing individual non-believing of anything and they they entered into a marriage but she said i don't want to ever engage in a relationship with you like i want to remain as a virgin and she even like went so far as to explain, like, my angel is here. It's like, if you try to do anything, my angel will stop you. Because we all have a guardian angel. And he's like, okay, I'll believe you if I see your angel. And the angel appeared. He's like, okay, I won't do it. The story continues, though, that the, the husband became impatient, and the brother, and like, things got weird. And so she ended up dying, but she protected her virginity in the process. So she died for her faith. She died for her purity. That's kind of the things to take away from this. What we hear in these stories today from Revelation and the Gospel, they sound a lot like the end of times, don't they? You know, you're hearing about this big sickle. Does anyone know what a sickle is even? It's a piece of farming equipment. A scythe, yeah, it's something you used to like cut, right? It's this big, like, you, we attribute it to the Grim Reaper, right? He's got a big sickle. But it actually is meant to like cut grass. It's meant to cut things down. And so that's the imagery in the first, like, this big sickle is coming through and like wiping out the unnecessary things of the earth. You're like, whoa, that's like pretty violent. <laughs> Sounds really violent. The book of Revelation is all about this apocalyptic, thank you. But yeah, it's like the end of times, essentially. That's the idea. That's the whole theme around the book of Revelation. It's very figurative and imaginative. It's a lot of big images like that. But it's interesting because the gospel, Jesus talking to, you know, disciples and other people, he shares a similar story that there's going to be people who come after me who are like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the Messiah. No, you're not. 
but it's going to try to make those claims. I think a challenge for us, especially now, because we are 2,000 years after Jesus, how do we decipher, how do we distinguish, how do we tell the difference between authentic God moments and crazy people? Because that's, I think that's ultimately what it is. Like, these people, in some regard, are kind of crazy. Like, they're not, they're not thinking straight. They're not acting straight. So how do we tell the difference between these two realities? Interesting, right? He never actually straight up just comes and says, I'm the Messiah. But he says, who do you say I am? He says, you are right. He never, like, truly says it, but he always alludes to it. That's actually a really fascinating point. Yeah, I mean, he explains all sorts of things that would be going on, and some people would argue, well, we've already had those plagues and earthquakes and famines and wars, and, like, why hasn't this second coming already happened? Glory! Like, there's going to be this sense of glory. Like, how do you think we'll see this sense of glory? Like, what's that supposed to look like? I don't either. Like, he says, like, I'm going to come down on a cloud. I'm like, okay, I guess that's cool. I hope I recognize it. Right? And so there's this part that we kind of have to have faith that just like when Jesus— was resurrected, and the disciples were walking back on the road to Damascus, and he appears to them, but at first they don't recognize him. How did they ultimately recognize him on that path? Do you remember? Yeah, so in their walk, in their conversation, they're talking, but there's like a phrase that he said. It's something that we do in Mass often. It was in that moment, like that, was that phrasing that their eyes were opened. So the Lord is going to find ways to open our eyes to him. That's a, that's a fact. We know that there's also this end of coming, like there's this end of days. That's great. Today, though, with the celebration of St. Cecilia and her martyrdom, like, we recognize it's sometimes necessary for us to give our lives to the Lord. Now, let me ask you this. Does that mean you think if you have to give your life to God that all of you are going to have to die for God in some way? No, you're probably not going to face the same type of martyrdom. I really doubt that. But did you know that there's different types of martyrdom? A couple of you know that. Okay, what are some of the different types? And there's other unbloody martyrdoms. So what I'm getting at is there's like the red martyrdom, the bloody martyrdom. There's also a white martyrdom, right? The martyrdom that we just kind of experience through, you know, people making fun of us, people um, rejecting us. Like our lives are never going to be killed for that, but internally we might be rejected. It's like, oh, you're a Christian. I don't want to be your friend anymore. And they leave us. That's a type of martyrdom. Like, there's a certain, like, suffering that we go in. Because what is a martyr really doing? Like, they're suffering for Jesus. Um, they do talk about the green martyrdom, but that's associated with the priests and the, the monks who traveled to Ireland and were all killed. So they're still, like, red martyrdom. But the idea is, like, the, yes, by being a Christian, people might reject us. Okay, I'm willing to be rejected for Jesus question is, are you willing to be rejected for Jesus? Because in the end, Jesus has a much greater uh, plan for us. Someone, uh, you sometimes see this written like the joke, working for the church, or like working for God, the pay's not great, but the retire benefit, retirement benefits are out of this world. <laughs> see, all the adults get that. The idea is like, yeah, when you work for the church, you work for God, you don't necessarily get paid a lot, but it's not about money all the time. But when I retire, when I end this job, heaven is this great reward. So St. Cecilia, she, she knew that. She accepted that. We hear about that in this end of times, and it's good for us to start to recognize how do we distinguish between those realities? How do we, how do we tell who God is? So I gave this task to everyone on Sunday. Mr. Byer asked about it for his first and second graders. 
Um, and so I think they're doing it now. So I provide this to the, the rest of the group. The task was uh, on a piece of paper somewhere to, to first write one, one thing that everyone should write, which is, Jesus, I give you permission. The reason is because Jesus, we also know, never forces anything on anyone, right? Everything is by free choice. He, he doesn't say, you have to follow me, right? He doesn't do that. He's like, come and follow me. He's always inviting, right? So we want in the same way to invite him into our hearts. So the first thing is to write, Jesus, I give you permission. The second can be um, the question, like it can be the statement, like, Jesus, I give you permission to help me with my friendships. Jesus, I give you permission to help me understand you better. Jesus, I give you permission to um, give me courage when I'm afraid. It could be anything you want to put down, right? And then you can either put that behind a crucifix or we can bring him into the church, whatever you want. I actually already found one. Someone left one here in the church um, this past weekend. It was really cool. And it was just beautiful. Like they had this really beautiful prayer they wrote down. It's like they gave that back to God then. Um, so that's kind of our task is to to say, Jesus, I give you permission to do what then? To, to help me, to encourage me, to support me, whatever it looks like. Um, so that's something to think about doing in light of everything we've just talked about for, for the Mass today. Because um, we're all going to face some type of martyrdom. We're all going to face some type of rejection. But when we do that for love of God, there's really nothing that can ever hurt us. There's nothing that can ever really separate us. There's nothing that can ever um, affect us negatively with him. So that's our task. Write that down. Jesus, I give you permission. Boom. Uh, and then give that to him.